Welcome to Bible News Press. Our goal is to discuss biblical faith beyond cliches and buzzwords, whether such words are religious or political. Sometimes we sit around the table and fellowship. Sometimes we do a little time travel. It is all part of our journey with our Abba Father, who has given us the key to life. We do it with Jesus, and we do it together. Welcome. Hello, I'm Laura. I will be reading 1 Kings chapter 11 from the World English Bible. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, of the nations concerning which Yahweh said to the children of Israel, You shall not go among them, neither shall they come among you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. Solomon joined to these in love. He had seven hundred wives, princesses, and three hundred concubines. His wives turned his heart away. When Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with Yahweh his God, as the heart of David his father was. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. Solomon did that which was evil in Yahweh's sight, and didn't go fully after Yahweh, as David his father did. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the mountain that is before Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the children of Ammon. So he did for all his foreign wives, who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Yahweh was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from Yahweh, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice and had commanded him concerning this thing, that he should not go after other gods. But he didn't keep that which Yahweh commanded. Therefore Yahweh said to Solomon, Because this is done by you, and you have not kept my covenant and my statutes, which I have commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom from you, and will give it to your servant. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days, for David your father's sake but I will tear it out of your son's hand. However, I will not tear away all the kingdom, but I will give one tribe to your son, for David my servant's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, which I have chosen. Yahweh raised up an adversary to Solomon, Hadad the Edomite. He was one of the king's offspring in Edom. For when David was in Edom, and Joab the captain of the army had gone up to bury the slain, and had struck every male in Edom, for Joab and all Israel remained there six months until he had cut off every male in Edom. Hadad fled, he and certain Edomites of his father's servants with him, to go into Egypt when Hadad was still a little child. They arose out of Midian and came to Paran, and they took men with them out of Paran, and they came to Egypt, to Pharaoh king of Egypt, who gave him a house and appointed him food and gave him land. Hadad found great favor in the sight of Pharaoh, so that he gave him as wife the sister of his own wife, the sister of Taphanes the queen. The sister of Taphanes bore him Ganubath his son, whom Taphanes weaned in Pharaoh's house, and Ganubath was in Pharaoh's house among the sons of Pharaoh. 
When Hadad heard in Egypt that David slept with his fathers and that Joab, the captain of the army, was dead, Hadad said to Pharaoh, Let me depart, that I may go to my own country. Then Pharaoh said to him, But what have you lacked with me that, behold, you seek to go to your own country? He answered, Nothing, however, only let me depart. God raised up an adversary to him, Rezon, the son of Eliada, who had fled from his lord Hadad-Ezer, king of Zobah. He gathered men to himself and became captain over a troop when David killed them of Zobah. They went to Damascus and lived there and reigned in Damascus. He was an adversary to Israel all the days of Solomon, in addition to the mischief of Hadad. He abhorred Israel and reigned over Syria. Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, an Ephraimite of Zerida, a servant of Solomon, whose mother's name was Zeruah, a widow, also lifted up his hand against the king. This was the reason why he lifted up his hand against the king. Solomon built Milo and repaired the breach of his father David's city. The man Jeroboam was a mighty man of valor. And Solomon saw the young man that he was industrious, and he put him in charge of all the labor of the house of Joseph. At that time, when Jeroboam went out of Jerusalem, the prophet Ahijah the Shilonite found him on the way. Now Ahijah had clad himself with a new garment, and the two of them were alone in the field. Ahijah took the new garment that was on him and tore it in twelve pieces. He said to Jeroboam, Take ten pieces. For Yahweh the God of Israel says, Behold, I will tear the kingdom out of the hand of Solomon, and will give ten tribes to you. But he shall have one tribe, for my servant David's sake, and for Jerusalem's sake, the city which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel. Because that they have forsaken me, and have worshipped Ashtaroth the goddess of the Sidonians, Chemosh the god of Moab, and Milcom the god of the children of Ammon, They have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in my eyes, and to keep my statutes and my ordinances, as David his father did. However, I will not take the whole kingdom out of his hand, but I will make him prince all the days of his life, for David my servant's sake, whom I chose, who kept my commandments and my statutes. But I will take the kingdom out of his son's hand, and will give it to you, even ten tribes. I will give one tribe to his son, that David my servant may have a lamp always before me in Jerusalem, the city which I have chosen for myself, to put my name there. I will take you, and you shall reign according to all that your soul desires, and shall be king over Israel. It shall be, if you will listen to all that I command you, and will walk in my ways, and do that which is right in my eyes, to keep my statutes and my commandments, as David my servant did, that I will be with you, and will build you a sure house, as I built for David, and will give Israel to you. I will afflict the offspring of David for this, but not forever. Therefore Solomon sought to kill Jeroboam, but Jeroboam arose and fled into Egypt, to Shishak, king of Egypt, and was in Egypt until the death of Solomon. Now the rest of the acts of Solomon, and all that he did, and his wisdom, Aren't they written in the book of the Acts of Solomon? The time that Solomon reigned in Jerusalem over all Israel was forty years. 
Solomon slept with his fathers and was buried in his father David's city, and Rehoboam, his son, reigned in his place. That is the end of chapter 11. Before talking about this chapter, I wanted to tell you something that occurred to me about the kings of Sheba that I mentioned in the last episode where Solomon talks about them in Psalm 72. I don't know why my brain was still working on this in the background as our brains do sometimes, but it occurred to me seemingly out of the blue that I may have made a common grammatical mistake. Recall that in many languages, when a group is referred to, that the masculine gender is used in an inclusive way. You can see this in other places in the Bible when it is talking about men, and you know it is referring to all people. In fact, it's it's right in the beginning. In Genesis 1.26, it talks about God saying, let us make man in our image, let us make them male and female. And then in Genesis 6.5, when it's talking about the depravity of man right then, And I also know this is true from helping my children to learn Spanish and from studying Chinese myself. So the point is this, King Solomon's reference about the kings of Ophir could very well be gender inclusive, such as the monarchs of Ophir. And it's just a reminder to me to be careful of my own limited perspective and assumptions, although it's not probably a big deal in this case. It's still a good reminder. So getting back to chapter 11. Maybe you remember when I discussed the Hebrew word that gets translated to love or meaning to love in English. The gist of it is that the Hebrew verb, according to Vine's expository dictionary, is basically equivalent to the sense of having a strong emotional attachment to someone or something. So when it says King Solomon loved many foreign wives, it doesn't just mean he had sexual relations with them. And this is further indicated by the fact that he's trying to please them and that they turn his heart away from fully going after Yahweh. So he he clung to them uh, like he shouldn't have. Notice the emphasis that these women were definitely still worshiping false gods in abominable ways. Even though he, Solomon, shouldn't have had so many wives, if they had worshiped Yahweh, it would not have been the same problem. But King Solomon knew they didn't worship Yahweh, and he married them anyway. Realizing all of this makes his writings in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes that much more poignant and even sad. And take note that here you have the richest, wisest king in the world being led astray, not as a victim. He's letting it happen. He's being led astray by wrong relationships and the desire to please the wrong people. We're not just talking about an occasional bad choice or even gossiping, though I don't want to make light of any sin, for it all begins in the heart and has um, the potential to be very destructive, as we talked about in James. Take overeating, for example. It's very bad for your health, and it is an issue of self-control. And so um, that kind of thing is gluttony is spoken against in the Bible. But worshiping Moloch involved sacrificing their children. See, Leviticus 18.21, Leviticus 23, 2 Kings 23.10, Jeremiah 32.35, and Jeremiah 19.5. If you would like to read more of a thorough discussion of these gods and their worship and what is known both scripturally and from other sources, I refer you to the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia on the Blue Letter Bible website, and I'll put a link to that also. But It is reasonable just to recognize that God calls these things abominations. 
But also Yahweh doesn't dwell on wickedness, the details, the gory details of wickedness in in Scripture any more than necessary to make the point. The point here being that King Solomon somehow thought he could worship Yahweh and be involved in such wickedness. It's an ironic extension of the idea that you could have a true husband-wife relationship with more than one wife. A man simply can't be one flesh with more than one woman, and he can't be one flesh with one woman if he has more than one wife. And Solomon is the ultimate counterexample of this very thing that is taught in Genesis and the New Testament regarding marriage. What is painfully missing in this account is Solomon's repenting, though there might be some indication of it in Ecclesiastes and Proverbs. And I plan on reading Ecclesiastes after this chapter for the next few episodes and then talk about in another episode whether or not Solomon will be with the sheep or the goats on Judgment Day. Regarding King Solomon's adversaries and the division of the kingdom, Hadad was the son of the king of Edom that David conquered, and Rezin was the son of a man who had been involved in the conflict mentioned with Hadad Ezer in 2 Samuel chapter 8 several times. But it is Jeroboam who gets the chance to be king over a large portion of Israel, and it is Jeroboam that Solomon seeks to kill. Then, if you are remembering that there are 12 tribes of Israel, perhaps you are wondering why there's 10 tribes to Jeroboam and then one left. Since the emphasis is on the control of land or territory, it makes sense that the Levites would not be included in this division since they did not get land other than cities interspersed throughout all of Israel to live in and fulfill their functions. But also, as I have listened to Chuck Missler's commentaries over the past years, he pointed out that the tribes, the designation of the 12 tribes are listed differently in different contexts in the Bible. Um, In some places, the Levites are not mentioned, but uh, the tribe of Joseph is divided up into Manasseh and Ephraim, and that gives 12 tribes. And then you have the interesting example in Revelation 7, where The tribe of Dan is not mentioned at all. It's notably missing, but Joseph is listed and Manasseh is mentioned. Now, when I tried to look at maps, I looked at uh, maps on the Blue Letter Bible website. I looked at maps in my NIV Bible, and I looked at maps in the Bible Atlas I have. It looks like maybe Simeon was, the territory of Simeon was originally to the south of Judah, but it doesn't show up on a map that I have that shows the division of the kingdom in King Solomon's time and right after. And then the tribe of Benjamin's territory is jammed right up against Judah's territory, very near to Jerusalem and Bethlehem. So it might have been absorbed in this idea of one tribe. It would probably take more research to figure out exactly what the 10 tribes versus the one meant right there. But that's just some examples of where you might go if you want to look into that more. In verse 38, we have an example of God's willingness to bless anyone who will follow him. Jeroboam could have had his own great nation, but he will let his human pride and wisdom get in the way, as we will see, unfortunately. Again, there is no sign of Solomon repenting or, in particular, appealing to Yahweh. And lest you assume that there's no chance for him to do that at this juncture, I refer you to Moses' prayer when God was going to destroy the children of Israel, and then God relented. And then also the comparison of 
David's complete forgiveness even after committing murder and still being recognized as fully devoted to Yahweh, as is mentioned here. The issue is not whether or not we have sinned. The issue is repentance and turning to God wholeheartedly. The account of Solomon's death is lacking. It's rather blunt compared to David's. No words of wisdom to his son here or in 2 Chronicles 9. Uh, chapter 2 Chronicles 9.30 also records his death. So Solomon was probably about 60 when he died. No mention of how. If it had been an assassination assassination or a coup, it seems likely it would have been mentioned because those things are mentioned in all the other cases, it seems like. Certainly, he didn't die of old age or in battle. I do know of people dying at this age from illness or a sudden bodily failure, such as heart attacks or aneurysms. It's hard not to think that it somehow was uh, related to his dissipated living one way or another. And it's a sad end to what could have been a beautiful life. See the promise that God made him in 1 Kings 3.14. Here in Kings, it mentions that you could read um, more about Solomon in the book of the Acts of Solomon, which sounds like a kingly legal document. And then in Chronicles 9.29, it mentions the book of Nathan, the prophet, indicating that he was also alive during Solomon's lifetime, some at least. Uh, the the book of the prophecies of Ahijah, and the visions of Edo, the seer. So some interesting documents that um, are not readily available to us, but recorded some other things about Solomon. That's all for today. Thanks for listening. That is the Bible News Press segment for today, but not the end of our journey. 